Howdy, it's another Match of the Year podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia. Today we're launching a series of podcasts actually about Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, the three times they've had matches that have won Match of the Year at various places. This is a hugely important series of matches, and this first one actually isn't dealing with one of their matches. It's an introduction to the WWF at the time that their first set of matches took place. Now, The Undertaker's gimmick is sort of the last 1980s gimmick, even though it came about, uh, he first appeared, I believe, at summer at Survivor Series 1990? Maybe it was 89. But he was the last 1980s gimmick to really work and keep working. At that time, an 80s gimmick was over-the-top, non-realistic, it didn't really matter if you could work as long as you could play your character. Jake Roberts very much had that as his sort of ethos. And your promo was way more important than your in-ring. And Jake Roberts totally did that. And absolutely uh, Ultimate Warrior. But The Undertaker really took it to a whole nother level and played his character so brilliantly. Both in promos, in the ring, all of it. He brought it all together. And this is in stark contrast to what Dusty Rhodes and Jim Crockett Promotions and most of the rest of wrestling was doing. They sort of saw a more violent, somewhat more realistic, but not quite product. Certainly bloodier. And it was the idea that the athleticism and the the violence and the brawling would bring in better crowds than the sort of cartoony aspect of the WWF at the time. And this is a really interesting dichotomy because what Vince tapped into was a younger audience, an audience that wanted cartoons, really, if you think about it. Me, at that point, I was like, I think, 10, 11, 12. Whereas what Jim Crockett Promotions, Dusty Rhodes... Uh, certainly the folks in Continental down in uh, Alabama, Memphis, they were presenting a more geared towards a traditional wrestling audience, which is older. There's the classic, you know, granny with a hat pin in the audience sitting in the front row concept. But it's an older, more mature audience that wants an older and more mature product. As things started to evolve, the audience started to change. And the WWF went through some very lean years. Uh, 94, 95, 96 were not great. Uh, Hogan was gone. They got some new talent in. People like Mark Miro, who had made their his name as uh, Johnny B. Bad in WCW. The most notable introduction, and probably the most important to the evolution of the WWF at the time, well, okay, Steve Austin's probably the most important, let's be honest. He came in uh, 1995, I believe, as the ringmaster with Ted DiBiase. And right off the bat was brilliant, uh, even though his gimmick sucked and he was not over until the whole Stone Cold Austin 316 thing happened. But Mick Foley, when he came in, was a huge change. He was always known as this sort of over-the-top brawler who could cut an amazingly brilliant and often hilarious promo, 
who was over whether he was over as a face whether or not he was a heel. In a lot of ways, Ric Flair was the same way in the late 80s. And that was huge, absolutely huge. I can't stress how much Mick Foley changed the WWE. And there are a bunch of reasons for this. My personal opinion is that his series with The Undertaker, including that not spectacular but decent boiler room brawl as Mankind versus The Undertaker, really started to change things for the WWF. And for the better, no doubt. He introduced a lot of new... Not only movesets, but match concept. It was a brawl based often with spectacular bumps. And if you listen to the Undertaker uh, Mankind Hell in a Cell match podcast, you'll know that I have some opinions on what that did to the business. But there is no doubt that this was appealing to a new generation of fans. And also to the old generation of fans who had grown up who had gone from being 10, 11, 12 to being 16, 17, 18. The Hulkamaniacs were now wanting that product that Jim Crock Promotions and Dusty Rhodes and Eddie Gilbert were booking back in the late 80s. Well, mid and late 80s. We wanted that. We wanted the new style that was the Attitude Era. And it worked. It worked wonderfully. And we got some great... Mankind matches most significantly. Okay, the Boiler Room Brawl is probably the most significant. There are a few other matches in there. But Mankind versus Shawn Michaels. October, or October 1996. Spectacular match. As far as I'm concerned, it's a five-star match. Had some just brilliant stuff. Most notable for Mankind taking a bump headfirst through a table. And that table must have been really well prepped because Mick always said, the only thing I will never do is head first. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Uh, And that bump he took was cinematic. It really was. And at that point, the Attitude Era had really begun in full swing. That is where the work that would define the Attitude Era happened. And in a way, it was, was Vince saying, you know what? Jim Crockett Promotions was right. Dusty Rhodes was right. Eddie Gilbert was right. Paul Heyman is right. We need to get away from the cartoon. Well, let me rephrase that. We need to get away from the kids' cartoon and make an adult cartoon. If the WWF in 1991, 2, 3 was the Flintstones, 96, 7, and 8 was Archer or South Park. Take your pick. The South Park's a more contemporary reference, I guess, with it. (laughs) And it worked. It worked brilliantly well. Because you had guys who could work the style. You had Stone Cold. You had Bret Hart, who, while technical, was also good at melding styles. You had Shawn Michaels, who could meld styles with anybody. His match with Diesel in uh, 1996. Uh, at the pay-per-view after, one of the in-your-house pay-per-views, it was the one, I think, after WrestleMania, where... You saw him use Morris Sean's leg on him, on Diesel. A great, great match. Probably four stars. Maybe one of the three best matches that Kevin Nash ever had. But you started to see it creep in, and then when you get Mankind doing his whole thing, that is the debut of the Attitude Era, and it fully comes into expression when Undertaker and Michaels meet 
for the first time. And I don't know if it was the first time for sure. I want to say they wrestled on Raw, one of the very early Raws in 93, maybe as late as 94. And I want to say there was absolutely no contest or something like that. Something weird happened. May have even just been one of those things where you got two ring entrances, a minute of wrestling, and then Marty Jannetty or someone ran in. I have no idea. I should look that up. I really didn't come prepared for this one, did I? But this, this feud that was built was so smart because at that point you had Bret Hart and the whole Canadian thing being the huge deal. They were faces in Canada. They were heels everywhere else. You had Michaels and Hart who couldn't work together for all sorts of reasons. Uh, you had Michaels who had given up the world title because he lost his smile, uh, citing injuries. Who knows if they were real? I kind of feel he was probably banged up for a long time and just used that as an excuse not to do the job to Brett. Go figure. Uh, you had Undertaker who was was making the transition from being that cartoony character to being the badass that we sort of think of him. And that, more than anything, signals the complete and total change in the direction of the WWF. Because Undertaker had been this sort of cartoony comic character who then became this massive brawler, single-minded brawler. And that carried all the way through, you know this year's Hell in the Cell with Brock Lesnar or any of the other matches that he's had over the past couple of years. Because the last 1980s gimmick that worked, that was working, moved to a 1990s model with the Attitude Era, that is when the switch was total and complete. And that really set the stage for the feud between Michaels and Undertaker. And their first match was actually really good. It was uh, the... I want to say it was the match after SummerSlam. It may have been SummerSlam. No, it was after. It was the pay-per-view, the in-your-house pay-per-view after SummerSlam. And it was a really good match that had sort of a smaz ending with all the heels coming out. It was a really good match. It was the first match I can ever remember where Undertaker did the dive over the top rope. And that, more than anything established where this match was going. And then we got Hell in the Cell. And that was really when the Attitude Era took full form and gave us one of the greatest moments of all time. But that is the next episode.